Blog Talk Radio. Welcome to Grace and Peace, Heart to Heart. I'm Zenobia Bailey, and it's, as always, it is so good to have you here. I do not take your listening for granted. You could tune into any show, do anything, and yet you are here. So thank you, whether you're listening live or you're joining by archive. We are reading, we are continuing to read Words That Hurt, Words That Heal by Carol Mayhall. And when we paused at last week's reading, we just heard the events that led to the hands of a small statured woman by the name of Beverly being damaged. It was devastating to hear, yet we read that her face was illuminated as she told the story, and her heart was full of praise, which was evidenced by the fact that she sang praises to God alongside sharing her story. During today's reading, we will see the impact that this encounter made on Carol's life and perhaps discover the impact that it makes on ours. So picking up, Carol says, I slipped away from the crowd and went back to my room. There I wept and cried out to God. I was weeping for the little woman with crippled hands. I was weeping for Beverly's loss, but I was also weeping for myself. You see, I was to be the next speaker. I prayed, Lord, what in the world am I doing here? Dennis and Bev and the little woman are extraordinary people and have had extraordinary experiences. They are totally committed to you, and their faces and lives reflect that. But then there's me. I've never lived in a tar paper shack. I've never taught savages. I've never been beaten because of my love for your word. Lord, I'm supposed to speak after them? I don't deserve to sit on the same platform. I am so, so ordinary. The Lord spoke firmly to my heart. He said, that's true. You are. In an instant, I knew what he was saying. Yes, I am ordinary. But we ordinary people have an extraordinary call to an extraordinary God who calls each of us to total commitment. He has called me to respond anywhere, anytime, anything. And whether I live in a tar paper shack in the jungle or in a home in Colorado, 
whether I minister to savages or my neighbors, whether I suffer physically or am spared pain matters not. It is my heart commitment that is imperative, my willingness to be totally his anywhere, anytime, and in anything. Many Christ ones merely want involvement and a small piece of it of that in Christianity. God wants total commitment. He wants us to be wholehearted, sold out, willing to pay the price of being disciples. The purpose of our lives is to know God. At the end of his life, the Apostle Paul still desired this at an even deeper level. Paul said, For my determined purpose is that I may know him, that I may progressively become more deeply and intimately acquainted with him, perceiving and recognizing and understanding the wonders of his person more strongly and more clearly, and that I may in that same way come to know the power overflowing from his resurrection, which it exerts over believers, and that I may so share in his sufferings as to be continually transformed in spirit into his likeness, even to his death. This means commitment to God and to his word with our whole being. It has been said that the Christian life is one big yes and a lot of little ahas. Yes, when we ask Christ into our lives to be our Savior, and aha, in the multitude of lordship decisions we make through the years. Perhaps there will be one time when we say, anywhere, anytime, anything, Lord. And like Beverly, God will reveal an area we didn't know existed until the test comes and we say, uh-huh, in that area. The question is, where do we begin? Perhaps we begin by memorizing Romans 12, verses 1 and 2. The Phillips paraphrase is especially thought-provoking. With eyes wide open to the mercies of God, I beg you, my brothers, as an act of intelligent worship, to give him your bodies as a living sacrifice, consecrated to him and acceptable by him. Don't let the world around you squeeze you into its own mold, but let God remake you so that your whole attitude of mind is changed. Thus, you will prove in practice that the will of God is good, acceptable to him, and perfect. Our bodies are to be living sacrifices because of God's mercy to us, his love, and the fact that his plan for us is good and will make us mature. What is it that we hold back? Perhaps it's the little things we don't think a lot about like watching too much television and wasting precious hours that belong to God or not setting a consistent time to spend with God each day or taking time for deep Bible study. Perhaps it is a fruit of the Spirit. Patience, maybe. Self-control, maybe. That we know needs work 
but we failed to even ask God for creative ideas concerning it. Or perhaps it is what comes out of our mouths. We may have many areas of life under the control of the Holy Spirit, but do we have that one? During a retreat at which I spoke, I was handed a white three-by-five card that read, Will you say a word on gossip, the tongue, building up the body? I'm so surprised by what I hear, even at this retreat among professing Christians. As one younger than the majority here, I must say I'm disappointed in my elders, those whom I expected to learn so much from by their mature example. I winced at the words, and a cold shadow slipped over my spirit. It is amazing to me how careless and unconcerned we supposedly mature Christians are about what we say. We may have known God for 10 or 20 or more years, yet still go about sinning with our tongues. Excuse me. Completely insensitive to the fact that we are grieving the Holy Spirit. His voice was quenched long ago by our habitual unconcern and unresponsiveness in this area. It hurt to read a secular author's impression of a lot of Christians. In describing one of his characters in a novel, Ken Follett wrote, he believed in communism the way most people believed in God. He would not be greatly surprised or disappointed if he turned out to be wrong. And meanwhile, it made little difference to the way he lived. Perhaps we should echo. It makes little difference in the way we talk. Oh, hopefully vulgar, offensive words are no longer in our vocabulary. We are offended if God's name is taken in vain, but we blissfully continue in gossip, in slander, in reckless, careless, idle speech that is revolting to God. However, the results of having a tongue controlled by God are spectacular. We will be encouragers. Many anxious hearts surround us. Burdens and hurts weigh heavily on loved ones' hearts. Proverbs 12.25 advises, anxious hearts are very heavy, but a word of encouragement does wonders. A second result is that people will come to know God. That's the promise, King David wrote. He put a new song in my mouth, a hymn of praise to our God. Many will see and fear and put their trust in the Lord. What we say will be acceptable and pleasing to God. A third result of having a tongue controlled by God is that we will be offering sacrifices to God himself. Yes, amazing as it seems, our speech is a sacrifice to God. Through Jesus, therefore, let us continually offer to God a sacrifice of praise, the fruit of lips that confess his name. And do not forget to do good and to share with others. For with such sacrifices, God is 
pleased. Do you catch the significance of what this verse is teaching? Our words of praise, the fruit of our lips, are on a par with doing good and sharing with others. With all these sacrifices, God is pleased. May I often find myself praying, may the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be pleasing in your sight, O Lord, my rock and my redeemer. God speaks a great deal about the mouth of the righteous. And we are going to look into some of the what's and wherefores of our tongues. But perhaps we first need to look deep within our own hearts and ask God to sensitize us anew to his still, small voice. We need to throw our hearts wide open to learning in this area what we may have ignored so long and to pray with sincerity. Lord, teach me what it means to have the mouth of the righteous. Teach me how it fits into total commitment. I want my mouth, my tongue, and my words to bring glory to you all the days of my life. And I will stop here for this segment. We will pick up our next reading starting with the chapter entitled, A Fountain or a Babbling Brook. And as we leave, I just want to say, God bless you. Also say that if you have children or grandchildren, nieces or nephews or any young person that is returning to the classroom, to the on-site classroom, I'd like to pray a blessing over them, that they would be kept safe and secure, and that they would be enriched this coming year, and that a hedge of protection would be placed around them, and that they would grow up, grow up loving their friends, their neighbors, and that we would model for them what it means to speak words that heal, that they would not be bullied, and if they are, that they would not bully back. I commit them to the Lord, and I thank you for listening. Take care. <laughs>